We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 248. Scott, vacation, Andrew, is over. I'm back in the city. I'm sunburned. Have to go back to work. Not happy about that. Happy the Yankees took yet another series, though. This is the opposite of the summer of George. This is uh, the end of the summer of Andrew. It was a short-lived summer. I'm sorry. Sorry you have to go back to work. Yeah, it's not the, it's not the greatest thing, but uh, I do have another vacation coming up, so that, that's going to get me through the days. Well, there you go. Now you can look forward to that. But yeah, the Yankees uh, went up to Toronto and took care of business. It was not a pretty series. Again, it's pretty amazing how they're they're still winning these games and these series after the you know the runners in scoring position fails and just the overall tone just doesn't feel like they're winning games. It's weird. Well, when a series starts out with Sonny Gray just laying an absolute giant dump on the mound in Canada yeah. yet again. You get, a, you get that sour taste in your mouth that uh, the Yankees are not off to a good start, and he puts them in such a hole. The bullpen has to do work. Uh, but like you said, it seems like they win games in ugly ways. And the Blue Jays this season, the Yankees have beat up on the Blue Jays. They've won all four of the series they've played, nine of 13 games, and the remaining six games are all at Yankee Stadium. So it's going to be uh, – the, the Blue Jays are going to be a nice punching bag for the Yankees in 2018. Yeah, hopefully it stays that way and nobody wakes up. I know they've had a bunch of injuries this year, but they're – 
very much not the team. And I remember, if you remember in the beginning when we were doing all these previews, we we kind of got talked into into uh, the Blue Jays being a, a potential can not contender, but maybe like a, a bigger a bigger problem in the East. And they we just thought have not panned out. We thought maybe they would have the record of the Rays at this point, where they're yeah. hovering around 500, give right. teams, give the Yankees and Red Sox a couple tough series. That's what we thought the Blue Jays were going to be. But here we are in, in July, and Jan Hervis Solarte is their best player. Yeah, hey, that kid, he's had a good career quietly. A nice, nice little career, a nice little uh, Chase Headley de- dealing to uh, San Diego and then comes out and has a, has a good... He's, he's been good with the Toronto Blue Jays, so... Um, I, I root for Salarte. I don't know if you've ever heard his personal story too, but he's he's got a crazy story behind him. Um, he does some yep. sad stuff too. So yeah. I, I'm a I'm a Salarte fan. He was one of those Yankee Twitter legends where people just latched onto him because of the backstory, because uh, it was sort of fighting against all odds, and he made it to the majors and actually was decent. So that that was a yeah. fun thing for a couple of weeks on Twitter. But uh, we are just around the corner from the Yankees Mets Sunday Night Baseball Bronx Pinstripes event on July 22nd. Yeah, this one snuck up on us, I think. Uh, so we have a shirt deadline coming up this week, actually. It's, it's actually early this week. Um, I'm going to be printing off uh, some extra t-shirts this time because we're going to be at the brewery beforehand. So we'll be able to hand a lot of them out as well for people who sign up a little bit later. But um, tomorrow at noon, I'm, I'm calling is the cutoff for uh, getting your shirts ahead of time. Uh, so today, Monday, uh, you have all day today. And then tomorrow at noon will be the cutoff for if you want to get your t-shirts mailed to you in time. So get your people together, no more stalling and get your, uh, get your group together so that we can uh, put them in and you will get your, your t-shirts sent to you. Uh, again, we're doing the incentive where if you have a, ca- a group of 10 or more people and you are the captain of that group, then you will be getting your ticket for free. Again, it's 87 bucks, uh, section 205 uh, against the Mets Sunday night baseball on July 22nd. And then not too far distant future, right after that, uh, this one is going to be, again, the Blue Jays. So we're, we have a good opportunity for a, uh, a nice little offensive outburst, potentially. Hopefully Sonny Gray doesn't pitch on that given day, if he's still pitching. <laughs> um, but August 18th is the 1998 celebration game, and that's going to be, a uh, again, a game at the dugout. Um, and I'm sorry, a game against the Blue Jays. Pre-game will be at the dugout. And tickets will be up on the website actually today for that one. So you can get your tickets there. Um, but yeah, looking forward to another really good event. We have a, another strong following, uh, another strong showing coming up for the Mets Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, but get on that so you can get your tickets right away. We all know how important sleep is, but funny enough, we don't think about the difference our mattress makes. That's where the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed comes in. It's the only bed with the technology to help you achieve better quality sleep. This is not just a bed. It's a marathon training coach. It's a marriage saver. It's a parenting patience godsend. All of those things apply for you, Scott, because you're running a marathon later this year, right? Everyone give Scott a bunch of crap on Twitter about him running a marathon. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is designed to keep you effortlessly comfortable. It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping blissfully throughout the night. Uh, So many couples disagree on mattress firmness, but the Sleep Number Beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side, so it's just the right for both of you. Uh, at Sleep Number Store, you can see and feel how the bed contours to you and uh, relieves pressure points with their individual fit technology. So go into go into one of their three uh, one of their 550 nationwide stores, and you can save up to 200 to 600 dollars on Sleep Number 360 smart beds. See the latest smart beds even more comfortably priced from 999 dollars. Go to sleepnumber.com/bronx to find a store near you. So, Scott, are you familiar with um, the five stages of grief where it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance? I'm trying to figure out where we are on the sunny gray spectrum right now. Uh, I think we're past anger. Maybe we're in the bargaining depression um, thing because when I watch him pitch, I get depressed. Yeah, no, I mean, I, when I see his name on the on the preview for a game, when I see it lined up on the on the fifth day that far away, I get I get uh, you know, anxiety for that game because I know what's going to happen on that day. One, he looks like he's an anxious dude and looks like he has no control of anything that's happening out there. And, and that makes me very uncomfortable when I see a professional athlete completely deer in headlights. Cause that's what he looks like. Um, I'm almost at a point where I'm accepting it and I hate that. I hate that. 
I hate the fact that I am okay. I'm not, not, not okay, but okay, accepting the fact that this guy is going to suck on a given day. Right. I can't believe we're there at this point. I really cannot believe it. You're throwing up your hands and saying every fifth day the Yankees are going to lose because Sonny Gray can't go out there and even give the Yankees a chance to win. Everything lined up for him on Friday night. He was past the Boston game. He was away from Yankee Stadium. So he's on the road against an opponent that stinks. As we just said, the Blue Jays, the Yankees are crushing the Blue Jays this season. And he's got his personal binky, Austin Romine, catching. What does he and, do? And he's and he's got a good record in Toronto. The he, He's uh, 2-0 in his last four starts there with a good ERA. Right. What does he do? He He can't even go past two innings. Five runs, six hits. Three-run homer to smoke. He threw 62 pitches in two innings. Only 55% strikes. He's basically throwing a ball for every strike he throws. It's, it's so bad that I don't even know where to begin to analyze. You cannot analyze this anymore. He just stinks. Yeah, there's nothing you can say or do about this guy until he starts throwing the ball over the plate. Because now what they're doing, every batter has an approach where they're just going to wait for their pitch. Because he's going to throw balls, so he'll either walk you or he's going to leak one over the plate. And that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for something to leak over the plate and him to make a mistake. And they know it's going to happen because he's bad. Because <laughs> he's a bad pitcher. And Smoke is a good hitter. And when a bad pitcher meets a good hitter, usually the ball flies out of the ballpark. <laughs> and it's, it's especially bad when he is the first pitcher of a series. Because if it wasn't for David Hale, who pitched five and two-thirds innings... The bullpen would have been absolutely wrecked for the rest of the series. When you're a starting pitcher and you go out there and just only get through two innings in game one of a series in a stretch where the Yankees play eight games in seven days leading into the All-Star break, you're setting your team up for failure. And the Yankees are 7-10 and in games started by Sonny Gray. Frankly, I'm surprised it's not 0-17 with the way he's been pitching. Yeah, no, but, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it should be even seven wins with, the, with this guy pitching. But like you said, David Hale came in and pitched so well. I mean, granted, the Yankees couldn't do anything, um, you know, offensively either. But when when Hale goes out there and and pitches like he did, you know, that's a that's a huge deal, and uh, and it did save. He got he got rewarded nicely by being DFA'd, but that was kind of the uh, the the reason he was DFA'd. I think was well, partially because he's David Hale, and and two because he did pitch so many innings, he was pretty much worthless after that. Right, he would have been a dead roster spot. But, so uh, Sonny Gray took up two roster spots on that given day. Yeah, uh, Sonny Gray should go up to David Hale and personally apologize for him getting DFA. Oh, he should buy him a Rolex. He should do a bunch <laughs> of things for him. It's, his, it's all his fault. Um, obviously, the questions arose after, are you going to take Sonny Gray out of the rotation? Because this is a, a stretch now where the Yankees can't be losing games. The Red Sox, as we saw what they did, they went after the Yankee series and they just swept Washington and Kansas City. And... You cannot be losing games to, to the Toronto Blue Jays. Boone said after the game uh, that they're not taking him out of the rotation. Part of it right now is we feel he is our best option. He yeah. is the Yankees' best option at this point. I mean, that if anybody believes all you that. Need to know if anybody believes that. Rotation is. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, you know, you could pull up a guy from single A at this point and would be a better option if we're talking about real options of, uh, as far as winning games because he gives you a 0% chance of winning a game at this point. The, the fact is, is that there's no bodies. There's, they have a body problem. Everybody is going down. Uh, Tanaka comes back, but we see uh, Loizaga going down with a shoulder injury. We don't even really know what's going on He was shut down there. with shoulder inflammation. And, um, you know, it, it might have been, who knows what's going on with him. I know he's had injury problems in the past, but I'm sure the stress of throwing major league innings was a lot yeah. more than throwing double A innings. Well, that's the thing, and they're going to be careful with, with any of those guys. And we, we knew that he and, and Herman were probably going to have some limit, limited innings anyway down the stretch. Um, but, you know, it's a, lack of, it's a lack of guys coming in and, and being available. I think that's one of the biggest problems for, for the Yankees right now. So, I mean, we're talking about getting a guy at the trade deadline. It may not be a, a, a terrible option for uh, Mr. Cashman to go out there and get two guys uh, just so that we can actually have a, a couple more bodies because it seems like the way that this season is going with the injuries in the starting rotation and that the way that Sonny Gray has not shown any, any signs of coming back, they're going to need more than one pitcher. And that's scary. Uh, and, and this all relies on, this goes back to us talking about Sonny Gray being such an important cog to this team, because if he is not right, if he is not the guy that we all expected him to be, that number two to three guy, and 
right now he's not even a freaking mop-up bullpen guy. But if he can't come in there and give quality innings and give this team an opportunity, they don't have a chance down the stretch. It's going to be a very, very difficult task for them to go out there with a, with a, without Sonny Gray being at least you know halfway decent and getting them through some innings. Right, a number a number two at this point is so far out of the reach. Yeah, it doesn't of Sonny even make Gray. sense when I say it. Right, but he just needs to be serviceable. Just just give the don't put your team in such a hole where they're out of the game in the second inning because that's what he's doing when he goes out there right now. These so are the yeah, same conversations we would have about Michael Pineda, by the way. These are these are Pineda conversations. I mean, well, only we saw a good start from him every once in a while. <laughs> These are conversations you have about the worst pitcher on your team. And that's what Sonny Gray is. His ERA is up to 585. And in his 17 starts, he hasn't even made it to the fourth inning five times. Wow. And, and see, uh, this, is, this is why I don't give this kid any credit for being humble on the last time. Because you know what? He was given smoke. Who cares? He, he wasn't actually being humbled. He was demoralized. And, and that's, that's a, it was almost the sign of a broken man. I don't know where he goes from this. I don't know how that guy can rebound. Because what I'm seeing is a guy that doesn't have any mental toughness, that has no idea what he's doing, and has no clue how to fix it. I mean, if you listen to his press conference or his uh, interviews afterwards, he legitimately looked baffled. Like, I have no idea. I just suck. <laughs> I don't know how to fix it. I'm not good. I don't know how you want me to be good when I can't be good. And he had no solutions. Yeah, his brain is running a mile a minute, and I'm not sure his brain is capable of doing that. No, it's so funny when you're talking to him because in your in the uh, when you're asking him questions and at the CC event, you can almost immediately detect a shift in mm-hmm. the way that he talks. Like, ex- like to the to the exact as soon as the question left your mouth, he started getting a little antsy, a little stuttery, and then you should have seen sudden, the body language. He almost like oh, rolled I can up see into it. a shell. I can see it. Trust me, <laughs> I know exactly what he did. And he was probably doing some weird thing with his throat. And like, you know, he tries to, uh, he tenses up. He's just a, a strange dude and does not handle any of this anxiety or, um, or any of this pressure ba- when it's badly on him. He can't handle it. That's, that's not a good deal. That's not a good, uh, that's not a good combination for pitching in New York. And it wasn't even that difficult of a question. <laughs> no, it's just anything against him. It's, it's right. about, he doesn't know how to handle <clears throat> criticism towards the way that he does something. And I, I can't believe that it's it's never uh, come out this way because it's, so, it's so glaring, so blatantly obvious. So here we are with Sonny Gray. He's got one more start before the All-Star break. It's going to be against um, it's coming Baltimore. Again, it's against Baltimore. So a weak opponent, a weak hitting opponent. Other than Manny Machado, not much to worry about in that lineup. Uh, if he just goes an average five innings, maybe he somebody can convince him that is a good way to enter the All-Star break. And he can mentally just shut down over the All-Star break. Maybe watch more Netflix. Finish all the seasons he needs to finish on Netflix try and come back and start anew in the second half. I'm worried about this Baltimore start. Not, not that I'm not worried about every other start. Of course, I'd one, be worried about a start against a college team at this point. This one, I mean, we know how the ball flies out of Camden Yards, and the Orioles, when they're playing at home, tend to hit a lot of home runs. They, they, know, how to, uh, they know how to step up their game. I don't know about this year, but they, in the past they have, uh, and they have a lot of the same names. So I wouldn't be surprised if he even got shelled in here uh, at Camden Yards, even against an opponent that's been terrible. Like you look up and down that lineup, they still got bats that they can hit. And at Camden Yards, that's not a good combination for Sonny Gray either. And that's terrible that we're saying that. Well, then I, I know Boone said he's our best option at this point. I think he's just saying that because they have so many injuries. I mean, look what just happened to Loisica. Right. But, but at what point, when is the breaking point when they have to take him out of the rotation? Because I think we're very close. I think we're getting close too, and you can tell by the body language and the way that uh, Boone's talking that he knows that they're close too. Um, but you know, I, I think they're going to give him the start. Then the All Star break is going to happen. Obviously, people, uh, you know, they get some time off. He's going to come back out off the All Star break, even if he bombs in Baltimore, and he's going to be in the rotation. So I think he's got one, maybe two starts after the All Star break. But that first one will be very telling. After the, after the break, I think, is the one that we need to, to circle on our heads or see where Sonny Gray is going to be at this point. And, 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 you know, it's not like people are calling for a DFA of Sonny Gray. That's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, so everybody needs to get that out of their mind. If anything, they can, they'll, they'll do some kind of a phantom DL start or mm-hmm. send him down for some, some, brief, some uh, minor league innings to get his stuff right, build that confidence back up. Um, so that, that's what I see happening. But he, he's not leaving. He's going to be back at some point, even if he gets sent down for a minute.
that's exactly what they're going to have to do is, is the fake DL spot and then a, a fake rehab. But did you see uh, John Smoltz's comments? Uh, I thought they were interesting. Um, he offered his opinion on Sonny Gray. He said, what I think he's got to get back to is watch the film of success he had. Go back to Oakland. Go back to where you had the fastball hovering around the knees with the killer breaking ball. I think analytics and information is actually changing him as a, pitch, as a pitcher. I think a four-seam fastball down at the knees with the wipeout power breaking ball is enough. So we have kind of talked about this with Sonny Gray. Are, is the, did the Yankees approach? Maybe they're too over analytics, throw more breaking balls. Here's what you need to do to attack every hitter and be perfect. Did that work against Sonny Gray? Because he might be a, a, a K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid kind of pitcher. Yeah, stress the stupid. The um, <laughs> the I, one. I'm glad John Smoltz. I didn't know we had a Hall of Famer listening to the show. That's terrific. He needs to watch more more uh, more tape of himself. Less Netflix. Have right. some kind of a routine. Maybe you know, watch successful um, starts that you've had, so that you can kind of go through that and live it in your mind before you go out there and get that. You know, you get that that competitive juice, and you, you feel what a victory. Uh, uh, your body can feel the victory before you even get out there. Let's try some of this stuff. Let's just try. Let's break it down. Let's let's get let's start meditating. Let's get crazy on this. Um, if we're talking about baseball and the way that the the Yankees maybe have changed his approach, I think that could have had some part of it early in the season. But you know what? At, at, at some point, you realize that if you have to throw more fastballs, then throw more fastballs. If you have to, um, you know, work off of that fastball, then you make that adjustment. And we saw that adjustment. He made it saw against. Flashes. We, yeah, it was, it was against either the starting Kansas City or it was against the it Orioles. Was, it was one of the two. There was a four stretch. Uh, four start stretch where he had three out of four actually really good starts where he went over six innings and and gave up less than three runs, which is really, really good for Sonny Gray at this point. Uh, and we thought that was a turning point, and it just totally went back in the opposite direction. Well, and in those in that turning point, in those within those games, he started throwing that fastball more often. It was it was right as we started talking about this to see if it was a thing. Actually, wasn't Rothschild it against the throw. Blue Jays once? I believe it was a start in Toronto where he threw sixty plus percent fastballs. If I want to say it was it was either Toronto uh, against the the Orioles or against the Royals. One of those three shitty teams it was against. So the uh, that's where he had his success. And Rothschild, we know, throws a lot more breaking balls. But if he needs to get back to that fastball, then fine. But look, I, I don't think that's the problem at this point. At this point, it's gone too far. It's gone way past that. It's gone beyond what we're, what we're looking at, you know, him throwing a fastball, who he's throwing the fastball to, where he's throwing it, how many times he's doing it. What, he's totally screwed up in his head. And until he can fix his mind and actually come out with a clear head and pitch a game like he has in the past... He's totally, it doesn't matter what the game plan is. He's, he's, was, he's dead. It was in Toronto. He threw eight innings, no runs, two hits. That was his best start of the season. That was the, that was the start. He um, used the fastball more. And like you said, when we first started talking about Sonny Gray, okay, he's had some confidence. He should have some confidence against this Blue Jays team. Right. In Toronto, last time he was there, he dominated. Yeah. And so if you can't work off of a start like that and, and know that you have, Know, done well in Toronto, even even beyond that game, and you come out and throw that kind of a, a game like you did on Friday, I, I don't know where the hope comes from at this point. I really don't. It's all on him. He's got to figure it out himself. He's got to figure out why mentally he's going into these games and just and and you know leaving balls over the plate and and not executing pitches because that's what it comes down to. If you're throwing that many balls, uh, you know if the strike to um, ball ratio is as bad as his. You're not executing your pitches. And if you're not executing, executing your own pitches, nobody can help you but you. I'm also really tired of people proposing trades that involve Sonny Gray. As if some team is just going to take the Yankees' problem of Sonny Gray off their hands and give them back something that will help them win a World Series. Yeah, it's, it's not a charity case. People aren't looking to help unless you're the Marlins. And we could go over and say, hey, Jeets, you know, we got this guy here. He, he can help your uh, rebuild by losing a lot of games, <laughs> that, that might be an option. But no, nobody's going to do that. Why would anybody want this headache? It's a problem. And uh, last bat, bit of news on Sonny Gray, he had his Twitter hacked last week. Of course so he just, did. Just been a rough time for Sonny Gray. He needs to get off social media. He needs to stop looking at anything anybody's saying about him because nothing's going to be good. And, and he should, you know, if he's on there, it's, it's, it's fair game for him to look at every single thing because the, the fans are, are brutal towards him and rightfully so. What do you think the chances are that he stumbled upon the Bronx pinstripe show and listened to the voicemails about him last time? And that's why he went out there and sucked again. 
I got to tell you, that would cut anybody's soul pretty deep <laughs> because it was pretty brutal. It was, uh, it was a solid eight minutes of a 10-minute voicemail uh, stretch that was all about Sonny Gray. Eviscerating and, Sonny Gray. But you know what? You know, he did it to himself. He did That's it true. to himself. There's nobody to blame but Sonny Gray. What did you think of Ja Hap over the weekend? So Yankees top trade target, Ja Hap, went out there through two and two-thirds innings, gave up six runs and six walks. Gardner and Judge go back-to-back, belly-to-belly to lead off the game. And Ja Hap just absolutely stunk. Um, this is the Yankees' top pitching <laughs> trade target right now oh is Ja Hap. He's an older Sonny Gray. The, the, what I saw about... J Hap, J A Hap, Ja Hap is uh, is a guy that I don't want on my team. I, I saw an older guy that was laboring to get through anything. The Yankees were shelling him, and I don't know, man. He just he just, he's not like a guy that I want to pay anything for. Honestly, um, there's there are better options. I feel like in our minor league system, uh, it's it's tough though that the the <laughs> people just need to get over accept the fact that Jacob Degrom and Madison Bumgarner are not oh, going to happen for sure. So There's when we're talking about, about Jahap, Cole Hamels, who also got shelled over the weekend. But at least he had a good audition for the Yankees. That's true. That is true. The Doesn't last leave time, a bad taste. The last time we we saw with our own two eyes Cole Hamels, it was, it was, it was good stuff. But th- this is what they're dealing with. They're, they're picking from the bottom of the barrel, and they're going to be paying a premium for these bottom of the barrel uh, pitchers. Yeah, I just can't see Sonny, uh, I can't see Sonny Gray. I can't see. See, see this is already. <laughs> already we're screwed. I can't see um, Brian Cashman actually going out and, and doing and, and making a, a deal that is going to be, uh, you know, that, that's going to hamper anything with the minor leagues or, or, or give away anything of substance for a guy like Hap after that. I mean, you're looking down the line. I don't know how many teams are going to be in line for J Hap at this point either. It's, it, there's not going to be a ton of competition when it's you're going after teams a guy like this. Teams get desperate. They get yeah. desperate. I think we'll see. That's the thing. What I think is going to happen with him. If I were the Blue Jays, personally, if I, if I were the GM of the Blue Jays, I would wait and wait and wait and wait until teams get very desperate and then have to go for, for something. Because if you don't, you're not going to get the value for him. And, and if you don't trade him, then whatever. But if you wait long enough. 359 on July uh, 31st is when they trade J-Hap. Yeah, exactly. And he's been bad over his last stretch, too. It's not like he's been. This is his only struggle recently. He has not been good recently. Uh, so this is this is definitely a concern. He's an older guy. What is he, 34, 35 years old? Yeah, and he's going into his free agency. Going into a free agency year, so it's a total rental. So this is you want the good J-Hap right now. And if he's not pitching well, which he hasn't been, um, there's a lot of concern about him. So what is it? Could he not handle the pressure of auditioning for the Yankees? Or did he suck on purpose because he doesn't want to pitch in New York? Or I, I just thought of a third option. Did he suck on purpose so to help the, the Yankees out, so that to help the, the Yankees out to get a lower price. Yeah. yeah, no, I've seen these. I've seen all of these options thrown out there. I think uh, I think none of them are, are valid. <laughs> you options. think he's I, bad? I think he's just a, not a very good pitcher, and he ran into a a lineup that was much better than he is, and he got mm-hmm. exposed. That's what I think. I think it, we would see that if he was up against a uh, a good lineup. You know, it, it's, think of that guy at Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, pitching like that. It's it's a it's a lot of a lot a lot very similar to what we're seeing with Sonny Gray. Bad, right. bad stuff. But I think this is what is going to happen. I think they're going to get somebody like that who we're so unimpressed by, who's going to stick in the back of the rotation. And every time he goes out there, you cross your fingers and, and, and just say, thank you for giving us five innings if they do that. Yeah, well, I, I have a better option in the back of my head. And I know we have a mailbag coming up talking about some, uh, some pitching. So we'll get to that. So speaking of five innings, Severino uh, only got through five innings in the start over the weekend, but it was still enough for his league-leading 14th win. So he is the anti-Sunny Gray because in all of his starts, he has gone at least five innings. It's exactly what you need from from your horse. And you know, when we're talking about Sunny or uh, when we're talking about Sunny Gray and how he has been such a problem for this team, the reason he's the biggest problem is because we've expected him to be uh, you know, a solid part of this rotation, a second anchor, if you will. And he, that anchor has failed. That boat is out to sea. And the only thing that is holding this entire team down at this point, when we're talking about any kind of pitching, 
is is uh, Luis Severino, and even on a bad day, and I'm not going to say bad day, but bad day for him. I mean, he, you know, if he were to say if this was a good day or a bad day, he would say it was terrible. Five innings, he still keeps the the team in the game, but he's getting that depth. On a bad day, he's still giving the team you know a decent start and keeps them in a game. That's all we've been asking for Sonny Gray. Keep it, let the team have an opportunity to win when you're pitching, and he's not doing that. Severino, every single time he goes out there, is that is that guy, and I and I and I love him for it. Even on the bad days, I love him. Right, and I think people say wins is is a useless stat at this point. I think it's it's mostly useless, but you can also look and say Severino's leading the league in wins for a reason. It's because, like you said, even on his bad days, the Yankees have a very good chance to win the game. Yeah, it's I mean, all you, you have to do. I think wins and losses can give you a general sentiment of like what's happening. Like if there's a good pitcher and he doesn't have a lot, you can tell that the offense has been just bailing on him completely. But when you have a guy like Severino who just comes out there every single time and wins games, you know, the team feels good about that too. They know who's on the mound. They know that they need to score just a few runs. And if they see him hiccup, hiccup, uh, have a hiccup early, you know, that that's kind of a rally cry for this team. We're like, how many times has this guy gotten our back? Let's get his back this time. So uh, there's there's something to be said about uh, a team going out there and um, and you know playing for their guy if he's struggling. So not many guys are going to be out there and putting their <laughs> putting their uh, at bats on the line for Sonny Gray. So Severino lines up to pitch Thursday against Cleveland, and then that lines him up to start the All Star game. That would be his day to pitch. Do you want him starting the All Star game? Yeah, I don't mind them starting the All Star game. I, I think uh, when you're talking about pitchers, what he'll go two innings maybe. No, so yeah, the starter always goes two innings yeah, unless so they go, get hit. So he'll go out there and throw two innings. And then he'll be uh, on, on a regular day, which is which is good. It'll keep him, um, you know, he'll go out into the bullpen and throw some more and, and just get his arm good. So I, I think it's less of a, you know, if we're talking about the All-Star game, like the home run derby is a, is one of those things that people have a problem with, I think, because of the, because it's so out of their norm. You know, it, it, it oh, throws a, a wrench into a hitter's It's game. elongated batting practice. Yeah, I know, but. You know, when they're trying to hit home runs, it's different. They're not going out there trying to well, Severino's you know, hit, hit a ball be trying to right field. strike everybody out at 105 miles an hour. You realize that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but he does that easy. He throws 100 <laughs> miles an hour simply. It's not It's not a big deal for him. I don't know. So I, I got no problems with him. I, I'm, uh, it would be exciting to watch him come out there and tow the rubber for uh, for the All-Star team. The, 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 the interesting thing is, is uh, to seeing how the manager is going to manage our top pitcher. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting take. Well, right, because and another guy who's going to be lining up to pitch is Kluber. So, yeah. w- which one does he want to wreck? We'll see. Yeah, who's he gonna, maybe, maybe both. He's gonna, he's gonna, ha- he's gonna try to ruin both. Because if he does, he's in the World Series. Easy. Severino goes out there throwing 105 pitches. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, what's going on here? Uh, so the Yankees manufactured a win on Sunday. How about that? The 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 little ball Yankees who we've complained that they cannot hit with runners in scoring position. They only win games when they hit the long ball. Well, Boone did the unthinkable. He bunted in extra innings, and it worked. Tyler Wade pinch ran. Romine bunted. Gardner, clutch RBI, single, drives him in, and they they lock up the series win. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, you do what you got to do at this point, I guess. He's trying to shake up things and and make sure that, uh, you know— you know, I think a lot of people would be upset because they saw Austin Romine, you know, the greatest Yankees catcher ever with the bat in their hands. And they can't believe that he took the bat out of Romine's hands. Could have, could have done something great at that point. I love the fact that, that he saw the, the opportunity to, uh, to bunt the run over and uh, the, the runner over and then having Tyler Wade. That dude can fly, by the way. He's, he scored so easily from second base on that Gardner single um, that it's, it's just fun to watch him run. Uh, because he he really does run the bases very well. See, he's such a he's one of those guys, man. That you see the potential and you see how he can help a team in some small ways. Uh, that he could absolutely be an asset if only he could get you know just over that hump with the bat a little bit. He could be a very valuable player. Yeah, we talked about this extensively between the Tyler Wade versus Ronald Torres debate. So yeah. everyone everyone knows our feelings on that. Yeah, like you said, Tyler Wade just has not been able to be adequate, just be average at the plate in the major leagues. So. Yeah, and we're seeing Neil Walker same thing in that similar role. It's you know when you have sporadic at bats like that, it's a different animal, and you got to be able to somehow tame it. And we got the good Herman too. Six innings, one run. He just allowed the one homer to Morales. Uh, we've seen this roller coaster with Herman this time, which I appreciated. He did not get to the fifth inning and then fall off the cliff. He didn't let the Morales home run completely destroy the game, which which I thought was 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 clutch for him. Good for the Yankees. Um, We've seen the potential of Herman. This this is the potential of Herman. The problem is he he. We've seen the other guy a lot too. 
Yeah, but I don't think it's as as much. You know, it's not. This isn't like a a, a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde case that we had with Pineda. This is a different guy. It's almost like he, you know, it's it's not like he he doesn't execute well uh, on a, a given day because even when he gets hit around early, and that was his big struggle in the beginning, was was you know he would tack on they would tack on runs early. It's like he didn't have that focus in the beginning of a game. It seems like he's he's been a lot better at that. Um, but but when he does, you know, mentally check out almost, the, then he starts throwing you know softballs in the middle of the plate so I, I think we're seeing more of the good Herman and I think that's that's a guy who's going to just can continue to progress I'm excited for him I'm not I'm not worried about Herman when he's out there pitching and, and when when I see his name on there like I have actually a little twinkle in my eye thinking like okay we might get a very good start from this guy I'm not even you know remotely thinking about it. maybe just because I've been beaten down so badly by the other guy uh but you, <laughs> you know I, I do have confidence just the yeah, other guy. I'm sick of it I've said his name way too much already <laughs> the um somebody asked me to make a t-shirt for Sonny Gray like a bad one uh, and I'm like I, I'm not even going to spend one second making anything for him. See, people not- think like we're, we we are killing Sonny Gray, rightfully so. But we want him to be good. We don't want to mock him with T-shirts. We need we want Sonny Gray to be good because that means the Yankees can win a World Series. It's not that I don't want to mock him with T-shirts. I have no problem mocking him with T-shirts. I don't want to spend my energy and my time. Gotcha making anything for Sonny Gray at this point. He doesn't deserve one second of me in Photoshop. He just doesn't. Well, and, and even if it's something of mocking him, if it's about him, I'm not, I'm not interested. We have learned, though, that Sonny Gray stinking is good for business, good for podcast business. That is true. People get fired up and, and completely rip him down, which, you know, totally, totally warranted. A couple of minor injuries. Chapman, the knee tendonitis he's been dealing with. So I don't expect him to actually pitch in the all-star game he was named an all-star but he'll probably just shut it down for the yeah. for the break and Aaron Hicks I mean could it be any more uh coincidental any more irony we just talked about how Aaron Hicks is on fire and at any any moment he could get injured again I know this is minor some some UI tissue injury here with the hamstring injury no MRI but he sat out it, Sunday. just cramps cramps this is what we're talking about here that's that's that that's the word that I think is important you know, maybe maybe not so much the. Uh, I mean, it is part of the uh, the UI hamstrings. There's no doubt about it. But it's cramps. So you know, he just needs some uh, some potassium, a little bit, a banana, some water. Should be okay. No no MRI is the important thing. Is it weird that he was injured in Toronto early in the season? And he goes back up to Toronto and pulls up a little lame again. What are you trying to say? Something uh, something through customs. A little, uh, yeah. uh, little little sprinkle of the voodoo. Yeah, I don't know. What's is the water good and is the drinking water okay in Toronto? I don't know. I've never been. Never been. I've never been to Toronto. I don't know. Can't tell you. You ready for the uh, trade deadline hot stove? It's Lots, heating up. There's, there's going to be yeah. There's going to be a lot of interesting things. Honestly, this is the this is probably one of the more interesting trade deadlines we've seen in a long time because there's there's really an unknown of what's going to happen. There's no big name guy out there to uh, to go after. Uh, that's that's readily available. So I'm interested to see if Cashman pulls something completely out of the weeds, or you know, if he's kind of goes down the, the path everybody thinks he is. But um, it's it's interesting because there's so many rumors about J Hap as well that you almost think that it's not going to happen because of that. Because Cashman right. does like to keep a lot of things tight, and in the past he's done that very well, and so have the Yankees, the the organization. So it's almost like you know they're they're talking and, and, and about J Hap being the number one target. Sounds like it's too good to be real. It yeah. It's fake. The Yankees, when they're usually linked to somebody for a month, they don't end up getting them. They get right. the guy that they're linked to for two hours. And exactly. then, boom, he's a Yankee. Yep. And, and that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that, that, uh, that random dude that, that um, you know, maybe Cashman has his eye on. Maybe a little reclamation project, if you will. I don't know. So also, just a, a quick heads up about the hot stoves. A couple things. Don't be fake. Don't be duped by the fake Twitter profiles. There's a lot of them. Oh, so many fake Twitter profiles. Also, don't trust it until you see every baseball writer on Twitter <laughs> confirm each other's report yeah. that someone else is confirming that right. they've confirmed that right. a trade just happened. 100%. Ken if Rosenthal we, confirming John Heyman confer- confirming Joel Sherman that something just happened. The, you know, the best part of the hot stove that I love is the breaking news about a team that's interested in another guy. I love that breaking. Those are that's great breaking news. It's just see that's abusing this just the in, this news. Ju- this just in. The Yankees might be interested in Mike Mustakas. Maybe. Get the breaking, alarm breaking emoji news. on that tw- on that tweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's I'm like, "Oh, breaking news. Awesome." No. 
this is uh it's it's well overused there's no doubt everybody's trying to steal it. even if so you know we, we we usually send out like everything and everything you know if somebody reports it that's like a major uh it's a it's a national writer we usually put it out there because it's interesting for fans we all want to know you know who's talking what what's happening um but yeah we we put everything out there because uh because we want to know what the what the rumors are what the you know what's in the air if you will yeah, so what do you think you said you mentioned the Mustakis thing. There's rumors that the Yankees are interested in Mike Mustakis to play first base. What are your thoughts on that? I don't I don't like this at all, honestly. The if if they were interested in Mustakis, they could have had him so cheap, uh, you know, at, for this year. And he signed a what? It was like a 6 million dollar contract. I know he's got incentives. Uh, I think it was a 6.5 million dollar contract, but he's got some incentives for the team, but it was a one-year deal. 5.5 million. This this was okay. So it was a but there's it's a, a, it's a there's an incentive option. There's a buyout option for is. 2019 for 15 million with a one million dollar buyout. So the total value guaranteed to Mustafa is 6.5. You're right about yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, you're right. They could they could have. But they were talking about third base in the offseason. He's he's third baseman, and and they're talking about moving him over to first base, which um, he's only played like two games at. <laughs> right. They've just completely lost patience with Greg Bird. I think. Well, I don't really understand this. Okay, so the offense doesn't seem to be the problem. It's not the problem. The offense is not the problem. But the production they've gotten from first base is zero. That's fine. But but now we're going to have to give up a, a guy from Moustakis. And he's probably going to... You're, you're going to have to give up something relatively decent for a guy like Mike Moustakis. Are who, you? He's having the worst season offensively he's had since 2014. He's got a 790 OPS. That's, yeah, but look good. at his team. He's he's his team is decimated. He doesn't have anybody around him who was there even two years ago. Every, I can't believe that he signed that contract with the Royals in the first place because of that. Like everybody left. Why would you stay there for this contract? Why would you do a a, a prove me contract after you just hit thirty eight home runs? It it made no sense. So you're putting yourself into a position that that's uh, not as good as what you were before when you hit thirty eight home runs. It was a dumb move in the first place. But they are he's he's going to be selling, and the Royals are going to be selling his career best thirty eight home runs when he had some protection around him and that's who Mike Moustakis is that's what they're going to be selling they're not going to give him up for nothing there's no incentive to you know he's he's cheap right now they could get some prospects but I think there's going to be if he's available that's the kind of guy that will ensue a bidding war I could see that because he's a better player than it's than his numbers are showing for this year and I just don't see the Yankees needing that guy over at first base with with, with Bird and Drury there I don't know I just don't see it happening the roster's too too loaded up to to put a guy like Moustakis in there you're going to have to, to significantly get rid of somebody or release somebody or someone's going to, have to be stuffed in the minors again. Well, yeah, and also if you think about the playoff teams, none of them really need offensive help. Like The Astros need bullpen help. The Red Sox, I guess they could use a middle infielder, but that Mike Moustakis doesn't really help them there. I could, yeah, but they could also use a DH too. With Hanley uh, Ramirez gone, they they have some flexibility, I think, in that in that lineup where they could actually add a guy like that. That is something that, I that would means not be surprised. JD Martinez plays in in the field, field. full time, and, and I don't think they want to do that because JD Martinez is having an unbelievable season. But I think part of it is because he saves his legs half the time. Well, yeah, yeah, but they could also switch around because um, how many errors does Devers have? I think like eighteen errors on the or sixteen errors, That's something true. stupid. He's got a ridiculous amount of errors, and it's not even the All Star break. So I, I wouldn't even be surprised. Surprised. I would not be surprised if Boston signed him. Actually, don't, don't you know that Brian Kenny's trying to kill the error? He is, but not when you have eighteen of them. <laughs> That's why you need it. You need it for for things like this, so you can identify absolutely terrible third baseman or, or wherever they are. But Mustakis does make kind of sense there. He kind of feels like he's dirty enough to to be a Red Sox too. I could see him, you know, growing some horrible beard and, and looking like a, a scumbag like the rest of them. It, I, I could see that. Uh, four Yankees were named All-Stars. Judge, starting outfielder Severino and Chapman, both very deserving with the seasons they've had. And kind of surprisingly, Glaber Torres was named as a reserve infielder. He's not going to play because of the hip injury. But I thought he was going to be left off the roster. Um, but that, that's amazing for him. Rookie season, getting the All-Star nod. And Stanton is part of the final vote. I don't really think Stanton um, deserves to be an All-Star, but he's a big name, so he's part of the final vote. He has said, though, similar to Judge, he wants nothing to do with the home run derby. Good. That's the, we, we don't want them now. Now that these guys are on our team, now that, uh, that Stanton's on our team, and now that we've already seen Judge go out there and dominate, there's no reason for Judge to do it. And now Stanton's one of our guys. And, uh, and you know, we kind of saw what happened with Judge at the end of the last year or two, or, or in the, after the All-Star break. I don't want him any part of it either. So let's just have let, let other people do it this year. 
and uh, let's just stay healthy. That's it. We just need health because the Yankees have been falling, it seems like, at a very rapid pace with these injuries. We don't need any more of them. Home run derby is going to be pretty boring without star power like Judge and Stanton. That's fine. We've already seen. We got our, we got our fix. We got our fix uh, with Judge. So I think we're good for a year. So Yankees, before the All-Star break, they have eight games in seven days. It's tough to head into the break that way. They've got the doubleheader uh, this afternoon on Monday afternoon in Baltimore. Sabathia will go game one. Sessa will go game two. It's probably going to be Luiska for game two, but of the shoulder inflammation. And then I, I think maybe plan B was going to be David Hale, but because Sonny Gray stunk, he had to go out there, pitch five and two-thirds, and they had to DFA him. So they're moving on to plan C, Luis Sessa. Yeah, and we, uh, Luis Sessa, that's, it's always tough to win. This is something uh, that we say about the, the All-Star game or the, uh, the doubleheaders. It's been a narrative pretty much the entire time when you see these guys go out there. It's hard to win two of them. It's, it's, it's very difficult, no matter who your opponent is. Um, we saw that in Detroit. You know, even if you're playing a, a far inferior team, it's hard to go out there and win two. So we, let's just throw Sessa in the back half. You know, hopefully CC can go out there and do, do work in that first one. Um, and then uh, maybe they can catch lightning a bottle with Sessa. But he's, uh, he, he seems like he's, he's always given up you know, that, big, that big hit. Um, you see some impressive things from him every once in a while, but then at the end of the day, his line looks almost the same every time. Well, it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be interesting because they've got. They just had the bullpen do work uh, Sunday afternoon. Chapman. I don't know if he's going to be available today with the knee with the knee stuff. And they got to get through eighteen innings this afternoon. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would be very surprised if we saw Chapman today. If he does come back, it's that's that's a good sign because that means it's just a, a you know a little blip on the radar with the inflammation of his tendonitis, um, and that's kind of what we're all hoping it is. And from what everything it sounds like, uh, Boone wanted to keep him, or they they pull, he pulled him from that game because he had a, a four run lead at that point, and it just wasn't worth it. So I, I like that. I like being cautious. Um, so hopefully he he woke up with uh, the knee feeling a lot better, and that he will be available. Because yeah, you're right. They're gonna need guys, especially if Sessa isn't able to go deep in the game, and you know if CC um, can go six. You know, I don't know how much you can ask for CC after he's been so good. Right. You know, asking asking seven innings of CC, I think, is a lot for uh, for a day game like this. I mean, you could be looking at a situation where you have to get eight or nine innings out of your bullpen today. Yeah, and then yeah. Tanaka pitches in his return on Tuesday. Right, who knows how long he's going to go? And then we have Sonny Gray on Wednesday. Oh, so I know this Baltimore sucks, but the pitching is not lining up well for the Yankees here. Our Thursday podcast. <laughs> could be a could be a train wreck. It's there. There is a, a high potential of our Thursday podcast being a complete train wreck. Let's hope not. But I'm just saying it's out there. Let's prepare ourselves for the worst, and you know, be happily excited for the best. I don't know. This this just feels like one of those uh, series where you're going into Toronto. You have the doubleheader. Uh, you have CC is pitching Tanaka coming back. I mean, he looked good in Scranton. Um, some would say that you know this is a relatively minor league team, but not in Camden Yards. This team can hit. And um, I don't know. This is, I just uh, think this is a series. Like a trap that, series. This is a series the Yankees are going to have to go out and score like 38 runs. Yeah, they're going to have to score a lot. Games. And that's just not something they've been doing a ton of lately. They, they need to go out there and, and mash the ball. Well, of the, the, like the Yankees Camden, of old. Camden's a homer park and they're a homer team. So It's a good place to do it. All right, let's get into mailbags. Just quickly, if you guys want to submit mailbag questions, it's uh, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. That is where you can submit emails or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast and join the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show, and you can post your questions there. The first one is from Elizabeth DiPietro, who did post in the Facebook group. Do you think the Yankees going for a lefty bullpen help is necessary? Or moving forward, is it better to keep the bullpen routine and chemistry as is with Green Robertson in the seventh, Batances in the eighth, and Chapman in the ninth? So I think everybody's talking about the lefty bullpen help. Uh, you know, obviously, Chasen Shreve is the guy that we're circling as, as the guy who's not doing his job. Gives up another home run the other night. Obviously, that was beautiful. It was, it was like poetic almost when the ball left the ballpark. Um, because, of course, Chasen Shreve is out there. The thing is, and, and you know, this has been something that you and I have talked about too, they don't necessarily need a lefty guy out of the bullpen, if, even if they have, uh, because they have guys who can pitch to lefties. And, and that's the biggest thing. You look at the numbers, you see guys who can uh, pitch to tough lefties, and the Yankees have guys that can do that. They don't necessarily need that lefty out of the bullpen. Would it be nice if they could get somebody? Sure, but you don't have to force your hand no pun intended, to get to get a bullpen guy um, just because, you know, our lefty out of the bullpen right now is not effective. 
Brad Hand from San Diego and Zach Britton from the Orioles are the two latest rumors. Uh, Hand is having a really good season. He's striking out 13.3 batters per nine innings, and he's under team control through 2020 and then a team option in 2021. So he's going to cost a hell of a lot. Yeah. And then Britton is a free agent, but he's kind of struggling this year. He's coming off that Achilles injury, so he's going to cost less, although the Orioles are not going to just give him away to the Yankees. Um, I think obviously both options are nice, like you said. I have been I have been kind of scared every time Adam Warren goes out there and I know he pitched yeah. um uh, on Sunday but he gave up a couple missiles as well. He's lucky that he didn't give up a home run late in that Blue Jays game. I have not been impressed with Warren, so I think he would be the guy as well as Shreve that you're replacing in that bullpen. And everyone's just forgetting about Tommy Canley. Right. So they, well, it's easy to forget about him when the Yankees haven't called him back up again. It's it's crazy how he's still sitting in Scranton. And I don't think as of we're recording early Monday morning, I don't think the Yankees have announced their 26th or is Sessa the 26th man option. Yeah. Okay. Sessa is the 26th man for, for the Monday game. So I was going to say maybe it's Tommy Canley or something, but they're obviously like, waiting to see what they, you know, they're still waiting to see something from Tommy Canley and, and, and you know, maybe it's a uh, consistent miles per hour, uh, you know, high, high miles per hour, like he has been over a certain stretch of time, but it, it seems like a matter of time, only a matter of time that he will be back unless unless they do find some other injury. But the longer he's down there, the more worried I get that they do see something. So that is to me a little troublesome, especially when he can't get he can't take Chase and Shreve's spot, really. Right, because Shreve has been abysmal, bad. Um, are, and are you prepared to give up a, a high name, a high level prospect for Brad Hand? Well, I, see, I don't know where he fits in. If we're talking about like a, a controlled guy, like yeah, th- that's that's terrific, and and we'll have him controlled going into um, you know years twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, and that's good to have a guy like that. But the Yankees bullpen is not an issue. That's not like that's not the problem at all for this team as a makeup. Even going into next year, looking at who's under control, it's really not the problem. So giving up a guy for him, um, while it's not ideal, I think is as a as a makeup. Again, we've talked about how many how many times the Rule Five draft is coming. There are guys that will not be protected, and they're gonna have to, something's gonna have to give. So they're gonna have to make some deals. So a guy like Brad Hand would be, to me, higher on my list than a guy like Zach Britton. The fact that he has not come back from that Achilles injury well, and, and that he's still struggling, is worrisome to me. I don't want to see. I don't want to take a chance on a guy who is so you know who, he's so reliant on on his health, and and that's obvious that he's. Um, been a different guy since he's come back from that injury. I'm circling that as this year might be a wash year for Zach Britton, and he may not be completely healthy until next year, and then it doesn't matter. And you could sign him in the offseason for maybe a discounted rate since he's not having a good year. Yeah, but again, you know, why do you want a guy that's struggling at, off of a major injury? That's a major injury yeah. uh, and not able to uh, to have the same effectiveness. And you got to believe it has something to do with the way he's pitching. So um, I'm not sure I want to take that risk when it, when it has to do with an injury. If it was a guy that was just you know not having, uh, it was more of a down year, but he still got the same stuff and and there's no injury concern, then uh, you know maybe I have a different thought of it. Maybe a, a a new team would awaken him. But this is not that circumstance. This is this is all about the injury. Next question is from Brian. He says I saw a stat where Neil Walker has the sixth worst OPS among qualifying players through the first half of the season. How is this guy still playing? I mean, it's a great question. I have no idea how he's still playing. He does not belong on this team any longer. There's just, uh, there's just no reason for it. They got to eat the money, move on. um, And and there are three guys that that can take his spot now. Three, Uh, Drury, Wade, and Torres all can play infield spots. Drury can play first base now. There's no reason to have him on this team anymore. There's just no reason. Does Cashman not want to admit he made yet another $4 million mistake for the second season in a row? I don't think so. I don't think Cashman is worried about admitting, you know, because again, it's not a big mistake. It's, it's, a, it's a little mistake that is, that is kind of a roll of the dice. And, and this one didn't work out, obviously. It's not like he can deny that at this point. He knows it. So I don't think he's worried about that at all. I have to imagine that as soon as Glaber Torres is back, Neil Walker's gone. I hope so. But even if all... he hits, uh, even even yeah. if he hits, like how much can he really hit in the next two weeks to to convince the Yankees to keep him? But sixth worst OPS this season among among qualifying players, like he's gotten his chances. He has gotten his chances. He's had his opportunities, and and he just is not taking advantage of them. And you know, we thought before Glaber Torres even went down that that this 
this this time early June, early July is probably the time where he needs to, uh, you know, either you know should have cut off the pot basically, and he's just he's not doing it. He's not. He's going to get this consistent, more consistent playing time. I think at second base. Um, but he's still not showing it. So I, I don't see a, a reason for him to be on this team down the stretch at all. They, they might as well make, a, make that, that move and just move forward and, and get these other guys comfortable in, in a spot where they're going to be playing for the rest of the season. Okay, the next question is from Matt Krantz. He says, supposedly we are looking for first base help. Why didn't we ever give Lind a real shot? So Adam Lind uh, was in the Yankees minor league system first, half, first couple months of the season. He's now with Boston. Yeah, and the reason it's it's a it's a dollars and cents reason why Adam Lind is not in the major leagues right now, and it's because the, he had a uh, it was a, a contract a two million dollar contract signed by the Yankees, uh, signed by Adam Lind, and there was a huge incentive in there where if he made the major league roster, there there was like a, a an option kicked in for like seven hundred thousand dollars or something like that 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 made the the deal basically. Um, just that much more. And, and it, there was no time frame. I think it was just right when he was added to the roster, boom, guaranteed money. Uh, and the Yankees didn't want to do that. Exactly. They, I think Adam Lind was long-term first base option. If Greg bird was going to be out for the entire season, I think they were waiting to see what the news was on Greg bird. When they found out he's going to be back in June, they said, we're moving on from, from Adam Lind. We don't need to pay him the 2 million plus that we're going to have to pay him. Let's save that cash. Yeah, because they had uh, he was under a league minimum at that point, what five hundred and forty-five or whatever the the um, the league minimum is at that point. Um, that's prorated. That's not a guarantee. But as soon as he's added to that major league roster, boom, guaranteed cl- uh, clicks in, and I think it was around seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So it was a, it was a pretty big chunk for them to uh, sign a guy and then not have him on the team for you know maybe maybe a couple week rental so that is why he was still in the minor leagues even if he's a guy that everybody recognizes and had a good year last year and um you know maybe he'll get up with boston who knows so the final question is from tyler on twitter he's at tyler j six seth seth should we go cheap and roll the dice on matt harvey the dark knight dun 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 so everybody sees Matt Harvey, right? And they're like, no, this guy can't handle New York. This guy can't handle New York. We don't want him. He's such a problem. Okay, all of that being true. All of that being true. <laughs> Having said let's that. St- let's start there. That is all true. That is all very true. He was a big problem with the Mets. He did not want to be on that team. He was a pain in the ass. He was uh, flying to LA when they had a game in San Diego and going out with his boys and his girls the night before even when he was supposed to be in the bullpen the next day, acting like he's a starting pitcher, pitching every five days, wasn't doing it, being completely uh, you know, a horrible teammate. He's had problems. He was injured, for sure. Like when We're talking about uh, Matt Harvey on the field. I, the Tommy John surgery that he was going to have, that didn't have, and then he did have, you know, has set him back a long ways. And it's taking him a lot longer to be healthy. All that being said, I would not mind if the Yankees and Brian Cashman rolled the dice because they would not have to give up much for a guy like Matt Harvey. And he's actually been pitching pretty damn well over his uh, last four starts. Okay, last four starts. But yeah, That's last what I'm four starts. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at what what have you done for me lately? How is the, the velocity? Seems like it's coming back. Um, the guy is uh, you know out of the Mets. How, how listen to this. Think about the think about Matt Harvey coming back to a Yankee uniform into New York into a Yankee uniform and dominating. Oh, the how, story how, is the incentive for Matt Harvey because he's a narcissistic piece of. He is the the one guy that's all about him, right? I could absolutely see like everything in lining up for his, in his own mental head where he's going to be like the perfect citizen. He's going to be the the best ball player he could possibly be. And how could you be any worse than what we're seeing? Oh, well, right. That's the thing. If you're talking about storyline, if you're talking about excitement, about putting asses in seats, yes, this is this is fun. But I think once we actually see it out there on a every five day basis, I don't think we're going to like it. Like you don't. I guess you don't think Sonny Gray is annoying enough. You want to add Matt Harvey to the mix? Well, I think I think if they if they were to go out and get um, a guy like Jay Happer along those lines that they've been looking at, okay, they, they were to get a guy like that, and then you know add a guy like. Like Harvey, let's just right. Call Harvey it. would not be the the he would not be the the main guy. guy. But if they were, if if Cashman saw an opportunity, and this is what Cashman does, he looks for opportunities like this. He looks for he's the snake in the grass. And I know that people have a bad taste in the mouth with Matt Harvey, but get rid of that. 
get rid of the storylines of Matt Harvey and look at the numbers, what he's done lately and look where his fastball is. And then look at, you know, the, the pitcher he was before he got hurt. This guy could be an absolute and was a, a, a top flight dominant starter. If he can get back to any semblance of that, you know, sometimes it takes two years for these guys to get back from, from, uh, from Tommy John. Sometimes it takes two years for them to get back from a, a major elbow uh, arms injury. And, and, and that absolutely can happen. Um, the circumstances in, in, uh, with the Mets probably were not helping matters. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a pain in the ass because he very well could be. But I'm saying it could be an opportunity to get a guy who has a lot of talent, very cheap, and throw him into a mix where there's a lot of incentive for him to do well. Yeah, I, I guess. It could, be a, it could be a perfect storm for him wanting to shove it down the Mets' throat because he hates the Mets right now. You know sure, he does. Sure, and he would and, he would do the, absolutely anything to get to New York to pitch for the Yankees and to shove it down the Mets' throat, and it and would the, be beautiful. The Reds will trade him. They're going to trade him. That's oh, the yeah, only they reason they acquired him is to hope he's doing what he's doing now, which is pitching okay, right. and then then flip him for a long shot prospect. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. They're going to trade him, and and this is a guy that could potentially help this team. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll. It'll, it'll be a fun second half with Matt Harvey on the team. That's that's for damn sure. Or, or it will not be a fun second half with Matt Harvey on the team. It, it, either way, good for <laughs> podcast business. Do you, do you think that Matt Harvey and Sonny Gray could coexist? Maybe there'd be some clashing. Maybe Sonny Gray would feel pressure if Matt Harvey was there. And Matt Harvey would just be like the bully walker on the... Like yeah. Giving him, I don't know. It could be. I could see that happening. I think Matt Harvey would haze Sonny Gray, take him out to one of the clubs in New York and just haze the crap out of him. Sonny see, Gray here, wouldn't know what hit him. Here's the other thing with Matt Harvey, quickly, before we end this. Matt Harvey on the Mets is a very different guy than, than he would be on this Yankees team as far as like personality and how he would fit into a clubhouse. He, he's got no wiggle room you know, if he were to come to New York and be part of this Yankees team. There's, there's, there's no dark night. There's none of this, this narrative bullshit that he was with the Mets. The Mets put him on a pedestal, and he couldn't handle that. He will come into the Yankees as a role player, a fifth starter, and know your role, go out there, and, and prove it because you got nothing. Like Everything you've done in the past means nothing. You wow. come in here and you enter in, and you know a guy like CeCe Sabathia, who is the veteran guy on that team, there's, I can't see a guy like Matt Harvey acting up and, uh, you know, and, and doing anything out of line on a team uh, like this. Wow. I, I don't think that would be an issue. The lengths you have gone to talk yourself into Matt Harvey are just <laughs> astounding. Yeah. yeah. I cannot believe this. Well, when your number one option is J.A. Happ, okay, <laughs> you're going to look around and talk yourself into some things. And I see potential. I'm a toolsy guy. You know that. I like it. I like tools. Yeah. And maybe his tools are coming back. Matt Harvey left his tools on the mound of the 2015 World Series. And maybe they're returning. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Alfred has gotten the dark night back up. All right. We'll end it there. Thanks, guys, for listening. We will talk to you in a few days. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out. Before I pick up the phone, where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Yeah, hey, this is my voicemail. My name is Roz. I'm from Yonkers, currently live in Philadelphia. Regarding Sonny Gray, you know what? We're all guilty. We gave him excuses. Every time he pitched badly, we would come up with an excuse. Or maybe he just needs a different catcher. Maybe this, maybe that when the, the evidence has been there um, all season. So when it comes to Sonny Gray, we're all guilty. It's, it's not Cashman. It's not Boone. It's none of that. It's all of us. Peace out. Sonny motherfucking Gray. God damn it. 2.1 innings and five earned runs. What the fuck? Send that motherfucker out to the Reds. Send him to the fucking Nationals. Send him somewhere that don't give a fuck about baseball. Because, God damn it, this is the Bronx, baby. We give a fuck here. What the fuck? You can't earn the pinstripes. You can't wear the gray. What the fuck, man? Send that motherfucker somewhere that don't give a fuck. Put him in a fucking Padres or a Brewers camouflage uniform. Fuck him. Sonny Gray makes me sick to my stomach. The combination of Carl Pavano... AJ Burnett and fucking Michael Pineda has not caused me as much asthma as watching Sonny Gray fucking pitch every fifth game. Not to mention this runners in scoring position bullshit that we have to watch every single game. Uh, we got Debbie on the mound tomorrow against Hap. Maybe Hap will be a team player. 
Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.